Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. After a brief two-week hiatus for me and Walk, a little summer break for us, we thought we would come back. Summer break, school's in session. We thought we would do a little Debbie deep dive. we got a special guest with us today, an old friend of ours from old websites we all used to be at. Uh, Jason DiRienzo. Jason, welcome to the show. It's been a long time, sir. Let everybody know where they can find your work, and then we'll start uh, asking you questions about teenage boys. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and it has been a while. It's crazy to think about it, but yeah, we started with some websites quite a while back. Um, but yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at All Purpose Scout. I, uh, I'm doing some writing for the Devi Watch at DeviWatch.com. Uh, we just published our Devi guide, so we'll probably have a discussion about some of the, actually a lot of the players that are in that guide right now this evening. And uh, I'm also doing stuff with uh, my buddy Brandon Lejeune uh, over at Devi to Dynasty podcast, and he has his Devi to Dynasty YouTube page where we're doing some scouting film on a lot of the guys we'll discuss as well. So uh, again, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm uh, excited to talk with you guys. Yeah, been quite a while. I've been listening to a lot of you and Brandon on the Debbie to Dynasty. And I think if correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon's a, a Philly guy. Uh, oh yeah, he's a Philly guy. Absolutely. Me, I don't know him personally, but you know, really started listening to you guys as like I said to you, I've been getting more and more into these Debbie leagues. So I have been, you know, kind of absorbing your knowledge <laughs> uh, over the last few years without interacting with you directly, but really happy to have you on today because you know, as John stated, he knows next to nothing. I know a little, and you clearly know a lot uh, about the Devi space. So before we went live, we were talking about a, a Devi startup that I was in. So it's probably a good mm. way to lean into this Devi conversation. And so we're through three rounds at this point in time. And yeah. I already explained before we went live that, you know, you, you take the Devi pick, but you have to disclose the player. So you're not just getting the 101 and then afterwards we can do it. It's, you got to take the player in the moment. So three guys have went through three rounds. The first went at the 111, and that was Caleb Williams. Okay. okay. First round pick in a starter right. draft, Caleb Williams. The second player that went was at the 210, and it was Marvin Harrison Jr. Wow. And then at the 301, Drake May. Okay. So pretty much through two rounds, three Debbie players, obviously two quarterbacks in the super flex. Yeah kind of dynamic everyone marvin harris seems somewhat bulletproof i'll let you attest to that in greater detail but what are your thoughts on that i thought 111 was soon for caleb i think for any debbie pick i thought 111 was was a bit early i thought maybe the two three turn you would see kind of that first pick go because you still sit on the guy for a year right yeah i think i think here it is uh i mean he's been my qb1 for a long time and one of the reasons why is he he definitely can do things that the guys that we watch and want on our fantasy rosters currently, like the Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen's, he can do those things. His arm angles, his his arm strength, his ability to navigate outside the pocket and use his legs to get yards. I mean, he can do all of that. I can't deny the fact that I would be tempted at that 111 spot to take a guy like Caleb Williams too, because when it comes to the quarterback position, it is the hardest thing to evaluate. It really is because you just never know. Landing spot has a lot to do with it. Coaching scheme. But do they have all the tools? He does. And he's young. 
and you that's that's where the value really comes into play. You're going to have a guy like Caleb Williams who could possibly be a top five QB in Dynasty for you for the next decade. It's hard to pass it up. I understand the pick. I really do. Okay. Marvin Harrison Jr., to me, I actually would maybe have expected him to go a little bit sooner based on the hype. Uh, he is a bulletproof prospect. He checks all the boxes for me as far as the film and analytics, and he still has another year in, in college. So I, I totally get that pick. I actually think that might turn out to be a huge value because he also looks like he could easily be a top five receiver in Dynasty in the next year or two. Um, Drake May is the one I'm a little concerned about. And the only reason why is because he has all the tools. He's got the size, but there was definitely a drop off at the end of last season. And he lost his main target in Josh Downs. So I want to see how he does without that chemistry of his primary receiver. He's got a tight end. I think I think it's a Ryan Nesbitt who he's going to be relied upon. But Drake May is one of those guys where I could see a possible regression. I don't know if I would have went there at the, at the uh, would you say three ten three oh one three oh one. Yeah, that that might be a little bit too early for me. The other two totally get. I would have been tempted as well. Okay. That's interesting to hear that from you. Not that I deny what Caleb Williams can be. I guess my thought more is you're kicking this year almost when you use your first round pick. I think that's right. probably the philosophy of the person who took Caleb Williams. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going productive struggle or whatever right. terminology you want to use in that. Once you, once you select Caleb Williams with your first round pick, you, you can't reasonably assume you're going to be competing against teams that in the first two rounds are going double quarterback and you know, are stockpiling NFL assets at that point in time. So yeah, you got to make a decision. And right. after you draft Caleb Williams, your decision's been made now. Now you're going Debbie heavy and young players, right? Because you want them all to kind of come to fruition. I would same. be surprised if there were any vets that were taken by that particular individual within the next five rounds. I, I just can't imagine that's the case. There, there certainly shouldn't be. So it was just out of a curiosity. Let's see if I can look at this team real gonna quick. It's going to be a cousin's car starting combo there. Get into things to see who else. Baker Mayfield. Taking. Uh, all right, so he he went uh, Caleb Williams at the at the one eleven. Then he took Anthony Richardson turning back. Okay, yeah, it's going to be really it's going to be a developmental type of mm-hmm. type of team for this guy. That yeah, makes and total could sense. explode, right? Could that explode, could explode because <laughs> the upside of both of those players is tremendous. So I I can see how this particular player or person who's drafting doesn't doesn't care about risk. They're looking for high upside. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they're, they're certainly swinging for, you know, 24 and beyond. Now, right. Justin Fields was still on the board at 111 when Caleb Williams. Hmm. That's change anything for you? <laughs> that would have been a tough one for me, honestly. I think I would have taken what I know Justin Fields is currently because, dude, he's still young too. Yeah. You know, and he, he's got the size. He's got the mobility. I mean, the mobility alone with his size is going to get you fantasy points. And then you just add in the rest. At least I know where he lies as far as the team he's on and what he's surrounded with, with the possibility of they have two first round picks next year too. the Bears do. So yeah. they're just going to add more weapons, you know, and it, it, could it be that they trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr.? Could it be somebody else? Who knows? But they're going to surround him because that's the new blueprint for the NFL. So I, that would have been a tough one for me. I know what I can get in fields. I probably would have went with fields because he's got youth like, as well. Yeah, because you're still young, but you're competing right. this year, right? So exactly. you're still in the window, but you really haven't changed your your process. 
right know, and just trying to get trying to be young in, in a startup so I'm, I'm very much in the same vein i'm a pro justin fields guy and i agree with you even with darnell mooney and potentially claypool leaving next year because they're going to be free agents like you said two first round picks they're clearly can they're clearly clearly committed to justin fields and yeah and they didn't spend all their cap money either i think they still have like freaking 50 million dollars in cap space right now yeah so they're just gonna have even more next year so yeah they're they're set up to really surround him i like the path that they're going i think they're a lot different looking of a team that they're being intelligent with what they're doing yeah agreed so that would have been a tough one for me yeah that's the one that kind of stopped me where i was like that is a little bit of a fall for justin fields in my opinion uh, in mm -hmm. a super startup so to be sitting there it's almost like you're gifted that pick kind you of know, yeah when you probably could have got caleb williams at the anthony richardson pick if you really wanted to and i'd probably still put fields above richardson even though you know athletically they're they're not exactly similar but to your point no so they're close yeah. Yeah, we've I mean, seen it. If you really think about it, they're close, man. Yeah. So it, I might have went slightly different with the fields. And I wanted to hold the fields back until I got your impression because it seemed early to me, you know, yeah. not that player in Caleb Williams, but I just thought with the board and just the way I approach things, I, I would never use a first round pick on a Debbie asset from the start. Yeah. The temptation, I can understand it being there for sure. It's just, yeah. it's, it's also like, I'm glad you brought that up. Who was on the board? Like, who did, who do you have to choose from? That changes things as well. Yeah. Agreed. You know, and what your plan is, how you're going to build your team. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that guy clearly was, I'm taking Caleb Williams at 111. Right. I can just come right. out of thin air. There was, there was value <laughs> sitting there. This, and he didn't yeah, just, this person has a clear plan. Yeah, he was doing that yeah. the second he was slotted at the 111. He's like, no one else is taking him in the top 10. <laughs> this, this is my plan, right? So it's, which yeah. is probably a good thing, right? Because when you're pushing a certain direction rather than trying to react to the direction. And you have to think too sometimes, how often are you going to be in a spot to draft a high caliber QB ever again. Like you never want to be at that 101 unless your whole goal is to tank, you know? So sometimes you just got to select these players when you can in a startup because and you may not have that opportunity for the next couple of years if you are planning it correctly. I agree with you. And, and getting into this Debbie conversation, I mean, you, even with one one you might not have the opportunity ever again, right? Because right. if you're not forecasting these guys appropriately, they're already on someone's roster in their freshman or sophomore year before you're kind of getting them. You, you don't get the opportunity to wait until it's the year that you're going to get this guy, like a Caleb Williams, right? So this is that perfect yeah. storm scenario. You, you had to take Caleb Williams two years ago, right? If you wanted right. him on your rosters at this point, unless you're not playing in the Debbie League. So you're right. You're never getting that opportunity just for – a late first round pick, which is what it's the equivalent of. So right. I, I'm with you. I, I, after I saw the second player that he took, I'm, I'm not looking forward to two years from now. I have my question marks with Anthony Richardson, but uh, I understand the upside and that's exactly what this person seems to be doing. Yeah. All right, Johnny. So it gave me, uh, give me terror flashbacks. I'm just thinking about the super flex leagues where, like you said, I, I I'm, too good now that I can't restock quarterbacks <laughs> picking at the end of the first round. I, I, well, we talked about it before too, but yeah, like I have leagues with Daniel Jones. I know you and I both ended up with a bunch of Will Levis because you're just picking at the end and you're like, I, I have no choice here. This is where I have to shoehorn a quarterback in and just cross my fingers. They don't yeah. suck. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, that's the worst feeling too. Taking yeah. the guy you know you don't even really want, but you kind of have to because there's nobody else that to draft with that kind of value with the with the type of format you're playing in. Yeah, I mean, I probably have seventy percent Will Levis exposure, and I don't. Wow, uh, Will Levis is my quarterback five in this class, so wow. that's 
Well, QB five. That's that's not that bad. That's the world bad. we live in. <laughs> yeah, it's the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Levis, Levis, and Daniel Jones everywhere for me. Fuck. Oh, all right. Enough, <laughs> enough of those. Shake off those uh, nasties. All right. So, um, before we really get into these future classes, um, I just wanted to get your opinion. Kind of transition from from the now to the to the future with a little touch on the past. But what did you think of uh, this? past class this 2023 class that we just saw get drafted and then where do you kind of rank them where do you compare them to the previous couple years um whether as a whole position by position uh however you want to shake it out is good with us yeah with with this particular class with the 2023 class you know the quarterback we kind of knew that it was going to be bryce young and it was going to be cj Stroud. we knew that for a while right the biggest surprise i had with was Anthony Richardson going as high as he did? Because if you really look at how you evaluate the quarterback position, even in regards to fantasy, like his actual profile of a quarterback did not meet the standards of even an analytic community. He was drafted purely on the size and upside of that athleticism and the arm strength. Because if you watch the film, there were flashes of goodness, but there were much more bad than good. And he didn't have a year where he actually led his team to win. Uh, he didn't exactly have enough game film to show that he could even beat some of the best teams. I think his first game uh, that he played was against Utah the last season. Um, and he played well. And after that, it was just kind of nothing. So it really <laughs> started changing my mind. Like, what are we actually looking for at the quarterback position now? Honestly, I'm just looking at guys that have the athletic upside, strong arm, and can be coachable because it seems like that's what they were looking for. The Colts knew that they wanted a guy that they could coach up. So that, that was an interesting one for me with Anthony Richardson. Will Levis, I was completely off of for the whole time, but you can't deny the fact that he's going to get a start at some point with the Titans. Ryan Tannehill is not the answer and he'll produce fancy points at some point, you know, and then the rest of it with the Hendon hookers and Jake Hanners, I just don't see any value there. The running back position for me also when it came to the 2023 class, Bijan was the premier. He's going to be, you know, your top five running back in Dynasty probably in the next year or two, especially with the team that he landed on. I mean, Atlanta runs the ball a tremendous amount. Um, so they don't even they did they knew they didn't even have to really worry about the quarterback because their whole goal was to run the ball as much as possible. So Bijan was the guy. Jameer Gibbs also changed the game a little bit for how high he got drafted with his size because he's that sub 200 guy, even though it's just one pound, he kind of changed the mold because even the Jets were talking about tr uh, trying to get him earlier than where the Lions took him in the first round. Mm -hmm. And so it really starts to make me weary of the running back position, especially with Zach Charbonnet getting drafted in the second round to the Seahawks when they just took Kenneth Walker the year before. It's like... The, the running back position is getting devalued so much that even the NFL is looking to just have that combination of two backs running at the same time. It's changing it for me and Debbie. I'm not valuing the running back position as much as I used to. If it's not a B. John Robinson type of prospect, I'm not really drafting them as early. I'm really going after the receivers now because um, that's what the NFL tells me that they value the most. And we're seeing a lot more receivers go in the first round, ones that I'm not even sure belong there. And we'll kind of get into that. Uh, Kendra Miller and Roshan Johnson, I think those are two that I'm really interested in that have the size-speed combination. Kendra Miller, definitely for sure. He could fill in if Alvin Kamara does get the suspension and take the reins and never look back. So I think Miller's going to be a value 
for a lot of different people. And Roshan Johnson as well. I mean, we have to remember that Khalil Herbert, I think, was a six-round pick. Roshan Johnson's a fourth-round pick, but at the same time, he's got the size, he's got the vision, he's got the hands, and he's a great at blocking, and he's a huge leader already in the locker room. He could probably take over that RB1 position for the Bears. The problem is that they also want to run a side-by-side combination. That's not going to be good for fantasy. So just kind of buyer beware on a lot of these guys. Um, and then going to the wide receiver position, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, he was always wide receiver one for me. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, he landed with Tyler Lockett you know, and DK Metcalf, so what? They're not I don't see Tyler Lockett being there too long and he can fill right in there and he can also get targets in year one. So I like the landing spot for him. Uh, Jordan Addison went to a perfect spot. I think Marvin Mims for me, I had him as my wide receiver three. I think he's highly underrated. I like the spot in Denver because they were trying to trade, trade Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton for a while there. You know, so one of those guys is going to be gone, and this team loves Marvin Mims. So I think Marvin Mims is going to be a value for a lot of guys too. Quentin Johnston, I have my issues with. I think he landed in a good spot, but there's some stuff on film that he needs to clean up, and he is just not as tenacious at the catch point and high pointing situations, traffic situations that I want him to be for a guy of his size. I want to see how that translates. I was always a little bit skeptic of him. Zay Flowers, Josh Downs. I mean, we had a lot of small receivers. Tiny that, class. That, that, that drives me crazy a little bit. They're all kind of the same guys. So I had a bunch stacked at one spot. Zay Flowers, I kind of know what he is. And I, I think the Ravens are going to throw more. But I'm still <laughs> weary of what his value is. I see a, I see a lot of wide receiver two and a lot of wide receiver threes in this class. So for me, I don't think this class is very strong all around. I think it was top heavy, probably with like maybe five, six guys. Like I had seven guys that I targeted in rookie drafts. And if I did not get them, I was I was out. Like I was out of the first <laughs> round. I was going, I was getting third round picks, just doing cleanup, trying to take um, you know, is Israel being a Canada because he's only 20 years old, mm-hmm. you know, in like third, fourth round, just to see what I can get, throw him in my taxi squad and see if he can get some run, you know, or, you know, or like Josh Downs had been falling. He's going to be the slot receiver for Anthony Richardson. So I, I, I just wanted out. So this class to me, I, I wasn't very high on at all. I, I just don't see a lot of fantasy production coming from this group unless it was in that top, you know, that top half of the first round. Um, and then, I mean, comparing it to last year, uh, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, I mean, those guys are your premiers. Uh, Brees Hall, who knows what's going on with him? It, it's unfortunate because I thought he was going to be phenomenal. And he still could be. But this injury is definitely definitely worrisome to the fact that even the Jets were looking to possibly find a replacement to fill in for the time being. You know, Kenneth Walker, he's got Zach Charbonnet there. So, Again, I feel like the classes are very similar, but I think there was a lot more value at the receiver position in last year's class than there was in this year. And Kenny Pickett, to me, is just a guy. I think Sam Howell is going to outscore Kenny Pickett this year uh, if he stays as the starter with the commanders. Uh, I I can see the upside for Sam Howell for sure. Uh, And then tight ends, I just don't really care about, if that helps. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so I love that you said Howell over Pickett because I had Howell over Pickett. I, I, yeah, I had Howell over Pickett too. I, so I just, I don't know. There's What led to his fall then? Ugh, what who's that? Well, you, Howell? Know what's, you know what's funny though? And I, and I mentioned this, me and Walk have talked about this before. It, you know, everyone gets so caught up in, in the draft capital, especially for quarterbacks. 
And it's weird a year later, all the guys that everyone liked going into the draft last year, at least, you know, the top quote unquote top quarterbacks in the class, most of them are actually going to be starting this year. I mean, Ritter starting, you've got Howell starting. Right. So even though they didn't get Corral's the draft, the only capital, one that's kind of out at fucked. this point. Yeah, I like him a lot too. And Malik Willis, unfortunately. Yeah, Malik Willis. I, I was never a Malik Willis guy, so that that one doesn't surprise me at all. It's kind of interesting that they got the jobs even though they didn't get the draft capital. Yeah, and you know what, though? A lot of it comes down to where they landed because if it was sure. any other team per se, like the commanders obviously have been searching for a quarterback for the longest time. I'm not even seeing Howell is the answer. As a matter of fact, if I have Howell, I'm waiting on one good game and I'm trading him at the highest value I possibly can because I know the path that this is going to go. You know, he's just not going to be the answer to get them to the Super Bowl, I don't think. And they're no. going to be looking for a replacement. And I want to get value while I can, where I just don't. Why would I get backup value by holding on to him and letting him play a few games for me when I can get starter value? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm definitely looking to trade him with a pop off game. But yeah, it is, it is interesting. You know, capital does normally play into it, but I think. I think last year really showed us that one, the NFL is getting smarter with how they're evaluating the quarterback position, but two, that you know these guys, the talent will rise if the opportunity lets them, and I think that's what's happening with Howell. Yeah, it's great, but exactly what you said. I mean, is is Howell going to lead the Commanders to a Super Bowl? No, he, he's he's not a Super. Bowl. Yeah, he's just not. He's not that guy. He's serviceable. He'll get us fantasy points. I love that. 100%. But he just the longevity of that, I just don't believe in. I don't think it's yeah. sustainable. And they just keep falling in this window where they're picking in like the late teens as well. Right. So they're making they, they're just good enough to screw themselves. Team, so they're never fixing their problem. Yeah. Refuse to bottom out. And it's, you know, Ron Rivera largely. But right. it forces mediocrity on everybody. But um, no, I like a lot of the, the things you said. I, I was particularly interested in you when you spoke about Roshan, and obviously everyone knows that he was kind of like blocked by Bijan for pretty much the entirety of his Yeah, sex. I'm not going to judge him on that one. <laughs> Would he be viewed differently by the fantasy community if he played literally anywhere else in college football? You know what? He would definitely have been a starter, and I honestly believe, because he was a converted quarterback uh, coming out of high school, so his development, he needed the experience, and I think being behind Bijan, actually, it helped and hurt him because he needed more time to develop as a pure runner. His vision is definitely not there. I watched too many games where he's just running into the back of his offensive lineman. He's not a creator on his own, but, man, he is tenacious. He understands exactly how to execute his assignment properly. But if he has to go off assignment and create and find a new gap, it's just not going to happen for him. So even though I like Roshan, I am not naive to understand that it is still going to take him some time in the NFL. I would be surprised if he had 500 yards, you know, this season, I think he's going to be more of a touchdown guy, probably like six touchdowns and 350 yards than anything else, especially Mm -hmm. having to share the field, Deontay Foreman and Cleo Herbert. Well, and, and fields running away and fields. Right. <laughs> but that's also why, like, you know, I've been in a lot of drafts right now where, you know, we're doing like mock drafts for Debbie and Emeka Buka is being, um, and we'll, we'll discuss him, but he's being mocked to the bears. I don't want the wide receiver two from the bears. I don't want the wide receiver two. That's on a team that does, that was near last throwing the ball and is going to run the ball like crazy. <laughs> 
I, I don't I don't want that. Even DJ Moore, I'm I'm debating whether <laughs> he's even gonna see a thousand yards. I was gonna you say know? you barely want the Bears wide receiver one. Right. And it's not it. a knock. It's just if fantasy, I want fantasy points, and I I'm not I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? So it, it's just it's the scheme as well. You have to take that in consideration. So we talked about the this this current class and the previous class and where they go in there. So what do you think about this 2024 class? Um, and then where do you have that? You know, are they better than the last few ones? And how do you feel about 2024 compared to maybe the next few classes in the future? Yeah, and please tell me it's good because 2023 was a <laughs> pretty class, Jason. That's what everyone us for hey, years. we go through this we every year, Every guys. year. It's the best. Every year. You know, get your 2022 <laughs> picks. It's going to be worth it. Get your 2023. I will say that I think if you are in a super flex league, you'll be happy that you got some depth with some picks for sure. I think the quarterback class for 2024 goes pretty deep. It's going to start with Caleb Williams and then it's going to go with Drake may um, after that. I mean, you, there's still a lot of talent there. There's just a lot of question marks. Quinn Ewers out of Texas. I mean, last year he showed flashes of greatness and he also showed flashes of Holy crap. I don't want to touch this kid. He's got that Philip rivers, like sidearm release. He doesn't go through his progressions. He, he kind of reminds me of Jay Cutler, just kind of throwing it up on a prayer sometimes, but, you can definitely tell that the talent is there if he can get rid of what I evaluate and call arm ego. Like he's got to control that ego with his arm. He's got to start reading the field a lot better. So it could definitely be there where he's a riser and he sees first round capital. No way if he was being drafted in this class would he see first round capital based on the film we saw last year. But I could definitely see the upside with him. J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan, I like also. He doesn't have a deep ball. His arm isn't strong, but he's very intelligent. He's underrated athletic. He could definitely get yards with his legs. Um, so I, I think that he could be definitely a riser in next year's class. Um, and then you have Michael Penix Jr. The unfortunate part is we're going to have a couple old guys in this class. I think he's going to be around 24, 25 coming out of Washington. Um, but he had a stellar season last year. Put a put two of the guys I'm going to like in this class at receiver with Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze, put them on the map with how well he played because they were starting to fall apart at Washington the prior years. But uh, Penix, Penix showed up and if he can show up again, he's definitely going to get consideration as, you know, at least a late day one day two type of prospect. Uh, so Penix is definitely there. Jordan Travis out of Florida States coming on. He's undersized, but man, he looked really good. Last year, uh, you got Spencer Rattler, which God knows what's going on with him, but he could rise if he has a good year. Bo Nix, um, Jesus, you got Jaden Daniels out of LSU who played really well. Kyle McCord out of Ohio State. Sam Hartman went over to Notre Dame. He was outstanding his previous seasons at Wake Forest, and now he's got more weapons at Notre Dame. So I think it's really, really deep with this class. There's just a ton of question marks, but. As we've seen, if you looked at the playoffs, so what, what last year, the year before, we had what Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith. Like guys are going to get opportunity, so it, it is okay to say, you know what, I'm going to stockpile some late day, late second round, third round picks for my rookie drafts, and collect some of these quarterbacks that have that kind of upside. Even Joe Milton out of Tennessee. He's going to be going on his sixth season, but he's getting first round talk. I don't understand it. He's got two thousand yards in six seasons. 
as production, but he'll be the starter, and he's got that Anthony Richardson type of upside, if you want to call it that, with his size, athleticism, arm talent. I mean, he could throw the ball 70 yards by flicking his wrist. So massive arm. Yeah, massive arm. But I'm not going to trust a guy who's been in college for six years and only has 2,000 yards. Like, dude, we're, you could have – come on. That's ridiculous. If you divide all that, which I'm not going to do math right now, it's kind of <laughs> stupid. You know what I mean? So the depth at the quarterback position, absolutely there. But I do think it's still top-heavy with Caleb Williams and Drake May. Quinn Ewers could find his way into that round as well. Listen, I, I just, you kind of glossed over Bo Nix real quick, and he's another guy that's been in college for a while. What There's a reason I, I glossed over Bo Nix. Yeah. <laughs> what happened at Oregon? I mean, just straight box score scouting. I can't. Like, yeah, I don't do that, man. Play. I just – I mean, the completion yeah. percentage is up. The touchdown rate is up. The yard for attempt is up. The rating's up. I mean, across the board, it looks like a different player. Just, Absolutely. Just, As it should be when you have to do one read, get the ball out quick, you know. And that that's where I saw a lot of Bo Nix. He he had Bucky Irving at running back. He, you know, he had a couple guys, Troy Franklin, who he was throwing to in the flat. His completion percentage is going to be up when you're only th- having to throw the ball five to eight yards. Some of his deep shots were good, but from a clean pocket. Under duress, I have question marks about Bo Nix, and I had the same question marks at uh, Auburn. Now I'm not gonna. I threw his Auburn tape at the window. I don't even think that's fair because that team just blows. Yeah. But at the same time. I want to see what Bo Nix is as a prospect with what I look for translating to the next level. I don't see that from the Oregon tape. Now, here's the other thing. I didn't see it from Justin Herbert from his Oregon tape either. So it's the system. But the problem is that I don't know what Bo Nix is right now. I don't know if Bo Nix is the Auburn guy and he was just put in a place to succeed based on getting the ball out quick and only having to make quick reads and identifying quick targets. Or is he going to stand under pressure? Is he going to step up in the pocket? Is he going to navigate the pocket? Is he going to go through his one, two, three progressions? I have no idea because I haven't seen it yet. That's my biggest problem with Bo Nix. To me, one of the fun things about Debbie is just the, you know, year to year, there's there's a few guys, you know, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Caleb Williams for next year. There's a few guys that kind of get their value and hold it. But every year somebody really shoots up. Some other guys totally vanish. So it is fun to see where rankings are now and then look right. back at it a year from now and go, holy shit, were we all way off on this guy or way right? And like uh, the I play in, a, I think, two Debbie leagues. In the one league mm-hmm. a year ago, I took, uh, what's his name, Van Dyke, the Miami mm-hmm. quarterback. Uh, and yeah. a, year, a year ago I was like, oh, that's a good yeah, pick. About it. <laughs> and now, yeah, I'm and looking at it. I'm looking at rankings now. Yeah, he's not even in the top. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. 25? I'm like, uh, whoops. <laughs> well, you know what it is, too? You learn your lessons, and the NFL gives you the blueprint. How, how many quarterbacks actually make it from each draft class? Two. How Two, right? If we're lucky. Sometimes we have an anomaly class, right? But the majority of the time, it's two. So if I know that, I can't get excited about a guy I have so many question marks with. Where... I feel good about Caleb Williams. To me, like he would literally have to like sell drugs, get busted, and be put in jail to not get that like top pick type of caliber, you know, going into next year. Drake May, I even have question marks about, you know, based on what I saw at the end of the season when he was going up against tougher competition. I have a hard time. I mean, Debbie, Debbie, you have to hold these guys. And unless you have a deep taxi squad, I'm not. I'm not having these guys in my roster. I, w- I want guys I know that I feel good are going to produce and I can root for. Bo Nix is just not one of those guys for me. 
And maybe then maybe that's just me, but I've seen this too many times. Yeah, I mean, and, and you were referencing, you know, Caleb Williams being the closest thing like a Patrick Mahomes. Wasn't Spencer Rattler supposed to be that guy two years ago? Oh, was it that? Yeah, season? but that was if you really. So here, here's what you have to remember too. That was during the COVID time frame where even the recruiters that were going like DJ Uyunglele was supposed yep. to be the next greatest thing. You know what I mean? Like he was part of that class. The hype was there because these guys that like 24 seven sports and rivals, like they could not get their eyes on these guys the way they could because of the COVID restrictions at that time. So all we had was hype going into it, which is why a lot of these guys, they were hyped up on their arm strength and everything else, but we never really, they never really got to even evaluate real gameplay because of COVID and so that that whole class kind of fell apart because they got hyped up a lot more than what they should have been. Because I think DJ Oyelungu played against Notre Dame. He had that one start, and then we we're like the next season, like oh, this is going to be the guy, and he just couldn't put it together. A lot of times, you don't know what's going on between the ears if you can't watch a game. That's that was the biggest issue with that class. I remember the Spencer Rattler jump throw vividly on Twitter. Oh, he was like, I remember that. Did you, did you that see the like, uh, off the mountain throw into the garbage can? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're gonna get excited about that. Who's not? Right? But is he being freaking pressured by Miles Garrett as he's being, you know, throwing it off the mountain into a garbage can? Like that's the thing. That's the hardest part. Man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> are you Uncle Rico or are you Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah. So right. kind of going more specific now into each position. Yeah. We kind of talked about the, the quarterbacks for 2024. Who are your top uh, running backs, wide receivers? And I know you, you said earlier, kind of not, not a big tight end fan, but if there's anybody coming out next year, uh, who, who are they that you like? Yeah. Yeah. I'll kind of go through these quickly. Cause I, I know I've been kind of going in depth with a lot of other stuff, but uh, starting next year, I still have Travion Henderson as my RB one. Uh, you know, when his freshman year, Dude, he took off. I, he looks special to me. His footwork is undeniably good. I think he's got near elite vision when he's in the second level. So I think a healthy Trevion Henderson is going to make us all feel like, what, what were we thinking forgetting about this guy? Um, and then I have Donovan Edwards as the RB2. And that's only because I'm learning from what the NFL has told me with Jameer Gibbs, what they value. Uh, and they are valuing this kind of skill set where guys are being labeled more than just a running back. And I think that's exactly what Donovan Edwards is. I'm not saying he's Jameer Gibbs, but I'm saying the same skill set is there that the NFL is going to covet in a guy like Donovan Edwards. So I have him at two. And PPR is what I'm looking at with the value of a guy like Edwards. I, I want those five to six catches a game to go along with the yards. Uh, Trey Benson, I, I'm starting to love, man, coming out of FSU. I think he's going to be special. He's got the size. He's tenacious. He's elusive. He's got everything I'm looking for. And he's going to have another season at FSU to add to his resume. And I think he's only going to get better. I have him right now as my RB3 for next year. Um, and then I have Blake Corm, who's sharing the field with uh, Donovan yeah. Edwards. He's going to be an older prospect, had some injuries. But if you watch the film, man, he's special. And he could definitely get you some yards and some points in fantasy as well. Um, and then Jace McClellan, I think, is really underrated at Alabama. I think he's going to have a nice season. Um, he should be a focal point now that, uh, you know, he, he's got kind of a green pasture there to get more snaps. Um, Raheem Sanders, I have after him. I have concerns about Raheem Sanders' vision. He dances too much in the backfield. He's a converted wide receiver, so I'm giving him the idea that, yeah, he's probably still learning how to play as an actual running back, but he's got the size, man. He's got that 
He's got that tenacious ability too. But there's just there's issues with behind the behind the line of scrimmage that I, I question the vision a lot. Um, and then Will Shipley and uh, Braylon Allen kind of round out that top uh, part right there. I have issues with Braylon Allen too. I know a lot of people are going to have him at the top, maybe even their RB one, RB two, RB three. Uh, you know, he's a converted safety. I have my issue I see is again his vision and his overall athleticism. I mean, I know he's a bigger guy, he's like 6'2, 230 some odd pounds, but he, if you don't have the vision and you can't kind of get an internal blueprint of where to go and you can't move quickly, that's going to be a huge problem. And that's my biggest issue with Braylon Allen. I, I just wonder if he's just going to be that bigger back that's going to be a thumper and struggles at the next level unless he's behind a really good offensive line. So that kind of rounds out the top group for me um, as far as running backs. At wide receiver, I mean, this one was pretty easy for me at the top with Marvin Harrison Jr. He's your kind of bulletproof prospect like we talked about. A lot of people have a Mecca Buka at wide receiver too. I have Malik Neighbors. I think this kid is special coming out of LSU. He's going to be everything that we wanted Kayshawn Butte to be. Oh. Um, and and he's even he's fast. He's got great tenacious ability at, at the catch point. Knows exactly how to be QB friendly with how he round he hits the routes coming up back on curls. Uh, he's just really intelligent, really smart, has the size and speed. So to me, I feel really good about having him there, even though a lot of people would probably question that. I got a book at number three. I have Xavier Worthy at number four, and I don't even really feel good about that. I mean, the dude's 160 pounds, and he has drop issues. But he puts it on the field. He's got good analytics, and he's got that elite speed that the NFL covets. What's helping me feel better about him is I do think that that speed and everything he's been delivering with the production is going to get him either round one capital or early day two, like top around two capital. And I could absolutely see that. So it makes me feel a little bit better. Um, this is going to be a surprise for a lot of people, but I have Dorian Singer um, right after Xavier Worthy. Dorian Singer transferred from, uh, uh, was it? Oh my God, why am I drawing a blank? Arizona State to USC. And he's going to be playing with Caleb Williams this year. Dude had a tremendous season. Last year, if you have not watched Dorian Singer's tape, I urge you, because if you're questioning why I have him right there, just go watch some of his tape. You'll understand quickly why I feel good about him. And now that I feel like he's in a system where he's going to be playing with the best quarterback in college and a top first overall potential pick in Caleb Williams, I feel even better about it. I think he's going to be one of those guys that rise out of nowhere, almost like Zay Flowers did for us last year. Um, and then I have the two Washington uh, receivers, Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze, kind of tiered between each other. And Antoine Wells Jr. out of South Carolina. I just wrote him up for the Debbie watch. This is a guy to keep your eyes on. He has good size as far as like the, his physical build. And they use him a lot like Debo Samuel when Debo Samuel was with the Gamecocks. Uh, I think this is a guy to keep on your radar for sure. So I would say that these are the top guys I'm really excited about <laughs> at this point. There's a lot of depth at receivers. Well, if you go into Ja'Cory Brooks out of Alabama, Jacob Cowing out of Arizona, uh, Mario Williams going out of USC, he's going to be playing with Dorian Singer. Um, and then I screwed up. It was actually Arizona that Dorian Singer was at. I knew it started with an A. My, my brain's going a million miles an hour with all these names. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of depth, man. So I, I think this is going to be a very good class to have piles of your second and third round picks in your rookie drafts. 
Well, listen, I got to start in the running back because when you put Donovan Edwards second, you made my heart happy because my first ever Debbie pick was Donovan Edwards a year nice. ago. <laughs> and very nice. much of the same vein as I was looking at the pass catching back because you, you 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 keep saying and it's finally resonating to me is that's how I'm looking at players, but didn't really realize it, I guess, that I'm not really caring about the bell cow back anymore. I want the guy that's going to profile as the pass catcher and yeah. can find a way into 100, maybe 150 carries. You know, But you don't need bell cow work, and you're not going to get it. I mean, those those days are few and far between. I mean, Absolutely. 300 touch guy for sure, but Jameer Gibbs is going to probably threaten his, his fantasy points with, what, 200 touches? Yeah, right. But, so, so you just yeah. said it perfectly, too. Like, we have Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, right? <laughs> On the same team right now. Everybody's concerned about them. Jameer Gibbs got drafted to a team that just signed David Montgomery to a three-year deal. Nobody's worried about it. And the reason is because you can understand the clear roles. You don't want two bell cows on the same team together because then you can't figure out what the hell they're going to do. I want the guy that can have a clear role, which is why I feel really good about Dominic Edwards. And these are strictly fantasy rankings where I feel like the points can come from. Because yeah. he would not be number two if it was like actually scouting. Because his yeah, play real, strength sucks. Real, real football. Who cares about that shit? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know I, I, that's why we all like Anthony Richardson. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, exactly. Just in a vacuum, if Travion Henderson and Bijan were in the same draft together, is it Bijan Travion? No question. No, no, no. Very I, high yeah, Bijan should one that he can stay a lot healthier than Travion Henderson. I mean, I'm looking at J.K. Dobbins right now, who is healthy for four years at Ohio State uh, or three or four years, and Travion can't even stay healthy at Ohio State for you know two years. That's a big concern of mine, man, because I do think there's similarities between the skill sets with J.K. Dobbins and Travion Henderson. I just need to see him on the field to feel good about it. I, I think Bijan was kind of easy to put the top. I had, and I'll be honest, I had Travion Henderson as RB1 over Bijan for a while, but it just became too obvious to me that, that I was completely wrong. <laughs> hey, listen, we, we, we got to be fluid, right? Yeah. This has gotta be Can't be stubborn, man. You're going to screw yeah. yourself out of points, you know? Yeah. And then the other was Trey Benson. I really loved how you were speaking about Trey Benson because he's a guy. Oh, he's he's fine. gonna be special, man. Because I, I think he's gonna explode in that Florida State. Yeah, offense. I think so too. And yeah, and all that, those players wasn't really anything on the wide receiver side that that shocked me. I like neighbors as well. Um, you know, so dropping a buka down a, a little bit. I don't think is yeah, any it's just one notch in whatever you know. Yeah. It's the where you at on those Washington guys, and you already spoke about Michael Penix earlier, and it sounds like that offense is is going to be something to watch this year. Yeah, I, think I know Adrian Singer, but I'm going to have to look a little bit more into the tape because clearly I want the next USC guy, right? It was when Jordan Addison went there a year ago. Dorian Singer's going there this year. It's the Caleb Williams effect where he's drawing that talent to him and it's entering the draft with, you know, round one capital. So, right. So he, here's what's crazy too. is we have a draft where we have Marvin Harrison Jr., the son of Marvin Harrison, uh, and then you talk about USC receivers. Brennan Rice, the son of Jerry Rice, is going to be starting next to Dorian Singer. <laughs> and, dude, he looked amazing in the last game the that he game. played in the bowl yeah. game. Yeah. So he could be one of those guys that kind of climbs up the ladder as well. Uh, he's got good size, man. He's freaking physical. So, yeah, keep keep Brennan Rice on your radar as well. I, was say, he's, I knew he was a bigger body guy. Um, yeah. So another bigger body guy that you didn't reference <clears throat> I don't know. There's probably a reason why he didn't. It's Johnny Wilson. We were talking about Florida State. So I was just curious, real quick, get your two cents. 
I don't know how Johnny Wilson plays wide receiver. In, uh, that's uh, why I actually have him at tight end. Right, okay, that's that's yeah. all I needed to hear because that's how I knew <laughs> these guys as well. I was like, there's no world where this guy's going to stay as a no. wide receiver. There's, there's no big. way. If he does, he's too stiff. He won't, he won't make it. Like he'll audentate his way out of the league. So yeah. I just I, I did not see it with Johnny Wilson. Like I wasn't even thrilled about the film, even if he gets moved to tight end. But that's where I see him playing at the next level is tight end. So I didn't even put him in the receiver rankings. I, I would say that in tight end, real quick, Brock Bowers at the top for me. That kid is going to be freaking special. Uh, Jatavian Sanders out of Texas. He he came in as a five star athlete. Uh, got put at tight end. He's he's got that athletic athletic upside that you're looking for, like the Dalton Kincaid type of upside. Um, and then I'm gonna say I have Luke Lachey out of Iowa as my tight end three. I have noticed a trend with some of these recruits. One, if you're an Iowa tight end, you automatically need to be considered <laughs> like the Sam Laporta, Noah Fan, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle. Like they just keep yeah. producing them. So why am I not gonna look at that space and say who's the next guy up? Um, but there's a correlation between tight ends that have ran track and played basketball, have an athletic profile, and have a bloodline, which he does too. Luke Lachey checks like all the boxes. So I have him as my tight end three. He's going to be that Sam Laporta rise that we saw this year. And it's just interesting that it's coming out of Iowa again. It's beautiful. I I'll tell you the reason I know his name. Listen Why to is that? From the Debbie to Dynasty podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Ago. I think oh, he was yeah. one of my deep dive guys a while back. Yeah, I said I'm gonna to have to go back and look. Like, obviously, I'm gonna look at any Iowa tight end. I mean, it's just dude, uh, yeah, you, know, you have to. You don't. You don't pay him some attention. I mean, it's you know, I like Sam Laporta before I looked at Sam Laporta's film because right. I'm like, you have he's to. Iowa tight end, Iowa tight end, right? <laughs> you know, so, and then once I watched film, I started liking him more. So I'm gonna to have to look at a uh, uh, Luke Lachey as well. But yeah, I mean, I think the top two are the top two, right? Bowers is a yeah. Special. Th- I feel the best about those guys. And then yeah. if somebody rises, awesome. I'll be. I feel okay if I missed out on not identifying a tight end. So, no. Yeah, and you, you made that quite clear with this draft class, which was considered reasonably historic, especially with you know how many players, how many tight ends were taken. You know, even through well, you know, I mean, look at Michael Mayer. Like he was, he, this guy produced nonstop for Notre Dame. Like he was the guy, and he catches everything. And then he goes in the second round because he's considered unathletic, but he looks just like Jason Witt. So. <laughs> Uh, you just never know what the tight end. Even Dalton Kincaid, we wouldn't have a story about Dalton Kincaid if Brent Cuthie didn't get hurt <laughs> last year at, at Utah. Dalton Kincaid wouldn't have the opportunity. Wouldn't even know who he really is because Brent Cuthie would have went off, which he's going to do again next he's year at Utah because he's coming back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough, man. It's really tough to figure out that position, how it's valued. But to me, now I understand that it's all about athletic upside and guys who can catch. Production doesn't seem to matter anymore. So So I've got kind of a general, maybe college roster construction question for you. So you mentioned several, the the two Washington wide receivers in Penix. And then with USC, we talked, I think, three or four of their wide receivers with Caleb Williams. Do you ever have any concerns that maybe – the wide receivers fall off because they're getting lesser quarterback play at the NFL level. And they just happen to be with the right quarterback in the right system. And then same thing for the quarterbacks where they might not have, you know, you look at some of the shittier wide receiver rooms, in the NFL, and you go, well, a couple of these guys are playing with in college are, are already NFL caliber guys. Is Do you have any concern sometimes when these college teams are really stacked and you go, are, are they making 
you know, are these quarterbacks making these wide receivers better than they are? Or are these wide receivers possibly making the quarterbacks better than they are? Or, I mean, knowing your background and scouting Academy and all that mm-hmm. stuff, do you just watch the tape and, and the players around them and, and, and all that doesn't really matter to you? So that, I mean, I think that's probably one of the best questions I've been asked. I think you, the the film you have to watch because you have to watch what the player can actually do, right? Because you don't want to get caught up in the fact that Caleb Williams is creating his his receivers or his receivers are creating him. You want to know kind of what's going on, right? So I like Jalen McMillan. I, I loved coming out as a recruit. I thought he had everything that I was looking for, even in the Under Armour the uh, Army game. I, I was I was blown away by his skill set. And now that he's starting to come on with good quarterback play, and honestly, him and Roma Dunze were still doing pretty decent with bad quarterback play. But you get a guy like Michael Penix just to kind of step it up. To me, I think they are helping make Michael Penix because I understand their skill sets and what they bring to the table for a guy like Penix. So you kind of have to really identify the player's skill set and is it translatable first? And then say, okay, if it's translatable, what what is going on in the system? That that's where Brandon and I like. I respect what we do because we really go in depth with our evaluations. He's he's lucky enough to have some all twenty two films, so we can see the entire picture, how everything is being displayed, especially with the receivers from snap to finish at the line of scrimmage. Because a lot of times these guys run right out of the screen on a route, you don't really know exactly what the breaks look like or anything like that. Um, yeah, I think I think it all comes to play. Now, the what makes me feel even better is when the analytics and the film marriage each other. Where they the analytics are good, the film is good, and I'm like, you know what? Okay. Like there's definitely something here. You know, the I would say the quarterbacks and tight ends are the hardest ones to figure out. Which now it's like if the NFL is going to look like a guy at Anthony Richardson and say, you know what, we want the upside, we can coach him. I'm literally just going to go after the athletes now. One, because I think I think the NFL is starting to realize that there's too much defensive talent and not enough offensive line talent to balance it out where they need mobile quarterbacks, which is why the day and age of the Tom Brady's and these guys that are statues and can't move in the pocket, like another reason Josh Rosen got freaking blown out of the, of the NFL is because you can't have those guys anymore. They have to be able to be mobile. And so that is going to be a huge part of the evaluation process. But if that answers your question, like I really think you can't just box score anymore. You have to watch these guys and get a feel for yourself if you want to take the time to do that. And I would suggest that you do. Yeah. And I, I wanted to think about like, uh, you know, just going to this class, like Jordan Addison, right? He, he's, he's at Pitt. He, Kenny Pickett ends up being the first quarterback taken in his draft. He goes to USC, Caleb Williams. As far as we all know, going to be the first quarterback in his draft. And part of my mind goes, shit, is is Addison so good that he's making these quarterbacks? You know, obviously there's other players on the field catching the ball, but just having him on the field, you know what I mean? I don't know if yeah. that's the case, but it, I, I think that a lot whenever groups of players, let's say, are all higher thought of and higher draft picks. So you go, well, these all these wide receivers are good. So is this quarterback. It, it is you know, wh- where is the chicken and the egg here? Who's kind of making who? Or in like the, we saw with LSU, maybe Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are both just, I was just good at football. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's like they just are that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes they just are that good. And a lot of times if you play that good together, you everybody like contributes to the development of each other. 
And they are, they just become that good because they're playing that well. They understand the chemistry. Like they put in the time after practice, they put in time during the off season and everybody just gets good together. And we saw that with Jamar Chase, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow. We see how that kind of plays out. We saw it with, you know, Alabama, you know, and Tua Tungavaloa and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Like you see these things happening. Um, even Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, it's just, it's just kind of the way it goes. It, it's the hunger to want to get better and the work ethic. That's the hardest part because we can't see that on film. We have no idea be, what's going between the ears, which is why we miss on guys like Keishon Butte and all these other knuckleheads that just kind of <laughs> screw us over. You know what I mean? I do. Right, and I, feel like John was, I feel like John was underhandedly asked, is CJ Stroud going to be a good NFL quarterback? I think, I think that is the, no, the case at all. Ohio State wide receivers versus <laughs> what he's going to be throwing to for the Houston Texans. <laughs> Absolute night and day. So, How God, is CJ Stroud going to compare ever what he had at Ohio State? Never. I just he he's already played with the best receivers he'll ever play with. Never play with. Yep. You know what I mean? That's gonna be. A, I want to see how he is under pressure because that was my biggest knock on him. His progressional reads and how he navigates the pocket under pressure. When he was under pressure, he folded. His mental processing went down the tubes. <laughs> I, his first year is going to tell us a lot about who he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, at least I got two good tackles in Houston. They do. Yeah, <laughs> they got a good run game. They need to they need to execute Damian Pierce a lot more. I, I'm just glad we've squeezed in two trashings of Keisha and Boutte already. <laughs> We're not even hey, done. That wasn't even in the show sheet. We just did that no. naturally. So that's pretty. He's good. actually I've heard uh, I, I read something already that he's sucked in camp. So. He's being oh, yeah, he's, like Mario Douglas. I saw that too. <laughs> that is just horrible. Yeah. All right, it's crazy. Good times. All right. How, so how the Patriots even draft him is beyond me. That seems like he would be off Belichick's board for the shit that happened. I don't know. Right. They've, they've drafted quarterbacks or corner the wide receivers terribly over the years. It's perfect. Oh no, no. Listen, drafting terribly is one thing. Drafting terrible people is another. I feel like there's uh, like a code of conduct associated with the Patriots, and they just threw out the window because they're like. Well, he's there in the sixth round, so we'll let him come to court. They'll, they'll take the occasional asshole they think they can convert. I mean, Chad Onchocinco wasn't known to be, you know, a company man going in there. He became one. Yeah, sure. I mean, Randy Moss. Yeah, I mean, yeah sure, he might have, might have had a little yeah. beef to him, but definitely wasn't of the Boucher <laughs> variety. So. so we talked about the 2024 class specifically, just looking through the whole Devi board at this point. Who, who are your top guys at, at all for the uh, offensive skill positions? And if they are those 2024 guys uh, that you already mentioned, so be it. But where do you kind of have the top groups um, among the four positions um, that we have in the Deviscape now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really heavy at the top with Caleb Williams and, and Drake May right now at the quarterback position. You know, going down the line, I'm going to kind of skip over Quinn Ewers. Um, Drew Aller and Kate Klubnick. Drew Aller out of Penn State. He's got that big size. 6'4", like in the 240s with athleticism, strong arm. It's just really Penn State. They haven't had a guy like this before, but he has the talent to kind of rise to the occasion. So I, I could definitely see him becoming a household name here really soon, even after this season. Uh, and Kate, Kate Klubnick out of Clemson, uh, you know, he's he's another guy that I just feel like he's a quick processor, but under pressures where I'm a little concerned about him. Uh, he's 6'2", just under 200 pounds, so the weight is going to be an issue. He's going to get have, have to get over that 200 uh, <clears throat> mark for me. 
But I think he's going to be special. But man, I'm telling you right now, it's kind of weird. <laughs> the 2026 class, I I, I love already. Um, I know we're going to kind of go into the future right now, but I mean, you have Arch Manning, who's already getting some hype, you know, because of the last name, but he's got the size and talent to go with it. He's going to be at Texas and he's going to replace Quinn Ewers. Um, he's going to be special. You got Dante Moore, who's actually my QB one in that class. I think he's going to be incredible. He's going to UCLA. Um, he's got the arm. He's got the mental processing. He's got everything I love. Uh, Malachi Nelson's going to be replacing uh, Caleb Williams at USC. He he has the, the talent to. I mean, I have all these guys literally stacked in like a tier one. Um, and um, I don't know how the hell to say this kid's name, but it's Nicholas Ialamaliva or something like that going to Tennessee. <laughs> Volleyball player. He's like six six, but dude, like the intangibles that are being reported about this kid are off the charts. Super smart, work ethic, strong arm, mobile. We saw it in the spring game that he can kind of veer himself to the outside, outside the pocket, throw in the run and hit his target with ease right on the uh, red line. So th that class to me has a lot of depth. And so I'm really excited about that class. The one guy that I'm really curious about is going to be Carson Beck out of Georgia. He he seems to be the guy who's going to be stepping in and replacing Stetson Bennett this year. Uh, he's got that Matthew Stafford-esque type of feel to him. Uh, and, dude, you, if you look at the Georgia schedule, it's a cakewalk. Like, there's no reason why they're not going to be in another national championship. Meaning that if it's another schedule like that. And Carson Beck is the starter. He's going to get a lot of spotlight on him. He'll probably get some Heisman, you know, talk as well. And if he, if they win another national championship and Carson Beck is on that team and he's the one who leads them there with his size, arm strength, and you know, all the intangibles that the NFL looks for, I think he's going to be another riser that we're not talking about now, but we probably will be. So I, I could absolutely see him next year kind of rising up, those ranks big time too. So I th that's the kind of top heavy portion I have at the quarterback position. Um, any questions you guys have about that? Any thoughts on those guys? No, I like, mm -hmm. yeah, I like getting deep into this. So for these leagues where uh, we were talking at the beginning, where I have these yeah. <laughs> shitty late round first, what you're, <laughs> what you're saying is, is start trading into the 2026 class. I, I, at least for the I quarterback. Right yeah. uh, oh, I'll go into the running backs. Um, I'll go into the receivers. I think it's going to be like a pretty decent class. Another guy I missed on was Connor Wakeman at Texas A&M. Uh, he, he looks like he could possibly be the starter this year, and he looked pretty good uh, you know, when he got his initial uh, opportunity. So keep him on your radar too. Uh, and then at running back, it, at the top, I have Travion Henderson. I, I just love the kid. If he's healthy, I, I feel really good about it. If he's not, well, then it's going to be easy for me to pivot and just make my – adjustments but a healthy trevion henderson is easily rb1 at the top i have nick singleton right behind him at penn state i mean this kid has that you know play strength he's got the vision he's strong he he's not saquon barkley athleticism but i mean he's he's the kind of guy that you want to mm -hmm. take high up in your debbie drafts um, I have Quinchaw Judkins right behind him at RB3 at an old miss. I mean, that kid just came on strong. Even with Zach Evans, who is a former five-star, everybody thought he was going to get drafted high. Brandon and I put the tape out with all 22 films saying, dude, beware about Zach Evans. The vision just isn't there. And then he gets taken in the sixth round. Um, there was a reason for that, man. 
Quinshaw Judkins looked a hell of a lot better as a true freshman than Zach Evans did, and Judkins is only going to get better. So I like his size, too. He's in the 220s. Uh, I have Branson Robinson, who's a freaking freak, coming out of Georgia. Unfortunately, he's injured right now, but he has that size at in the 220s. He runs a 4.5. He's like the strongest dude you'll see. Like He looks like he's built for Sundays already. If he gets, if he gets a starting role over Kendall Milton – I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. It's it's over with, and he's a good pass catcher too. His high school film was one of the best I've seen from running back in a long time. So, Branson Robinson. And then I, I go on with uh, Donovan Edwards, Katron Allen, who's the teammate for Nick Singleton. There were times where Allen, I thought, even looked better than Singleton, better. and he's being drafted later. So, Allen's a sleeper if you're in Debbie Leagues. Definitely keep your eye on Katron Allen. Um, and then Blake Corm, Jace McClellan, Raheem Sanders. We talked about those guys. Trevor Etienne out of Florida. I think this kid's going to be special. I, he he reminds me actually of a better version than his brother Travis. Just the just his running style. I think he's, there's more play strength there with him, and I think he's more of a creator than Travis is. So he had a great first year at Florida on a Florida team that really wasn't even that great. Um, so keep Trevor Etienne, and then uh, on your minds, and then I'm going into this 2026 class. When- Cedric Baxter. He could possibly take over the starting role already as a true freshman oh. after B. John Robinson. He's that good. It's only 17, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's young, really young. So they have Jadon Blue and Jonathan Brooks there. Ba- Baxter's way more talented than both of those guys. I don't see how a guy like like um like the coach Steve, I can't remember his last name right now, but I don't know how you hold him back. If Baxter is that good, you put him in there and you let him play. And he already looked good in the spring, and he's getting rave reviews. And then Justice Haynes had an excellent spring season with Alabama. He's another true freshman in this 2026 class. I love this kid. So those two are the cream of the crop in the 2026 class. I would definitely just kind of monitor their situation. Um, And then going over to the wide receivers, I mean, again, pretty easy. I won't talk about the same guys in Malik Harrison's or Malik – or Marvin Harrison's or Malik Neighbors, but this is going to surprise a lot of people. I have Antonio Williams as my <clears> wide receiver three in the same tier and tied with Evan Stewart at Texas A&M. Antonio <clears> Williams, to me, when Brandon and I watched the All-22 film, this kid is well beyond his years in intelligence, route running, speed, manipulation, uh, strength, uh, catch point ability. I mean, he has it all. I have drafted Antonio Williams in almost every single Debbie league I'm in. I did the same thing when I was high on Marvin Harrison Jr. coming out because I saw him uh, as a potential prospect that I just identified certain traits. I have Marvin Harrison, thankfully, in almost all my Debbie leagues as well. Just because I liked, I see certain things that I just I don't care about ADP. If I feel good about it, I'm just going to yeah. take him. Antonio Williams is one of that guy. I don't care about ADP. I feel good about him. I'm taking him. I think he's going to explode this year in the slot for Clemson uh, with uh, Kate Klubnik. Um, I have Luther Burden right behind those guys and Mika Buka. Um, to, I don't know how to say this dude's name out of freaking Arizona, but Tataria McMillan. Uh, they, his, <laughs> his coaches call him T-Mac. Reminds me of Drake London so much already. Uh, I think he's going to be another guy that we kind of see climb up the ranks and we're going to be talking about a lot more. Had a breakout his freshman year, and he's only going to get better now that Dorian Singer's out of the way. He has Jacob Cowling there with him. Jacob Cowling's going to be in next year's draft. Uh, T-Mac is one of those big guys that can move really well, kind of like Drake London. I, I can see a rise for him. And then, dude, I'm getting already into the 2026 class with Zachariah Branch at USC. This kid is your, you know, Jalen Waddle 
uh, Devontae Smith type, uh, just elusive, explosive receiver, catches everything, plays on special teams. He's what the NFL is coveting right now with the athleticism and speed combination, with the intelligence and nuance at the, at the position. So I have him, Carnell Tate. Once all these guys leave, Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka, Carnell Tate could be the wide receiver three this year at Ohio State as a true freshman. He already They have a uh, black stripe tradition before the season starts where if you play up to a certain potential and you look better and, and are ready to actually be a Buckeye, they remove your black stripe. He was one of the first ones to get the black stripe removed. The guy before that, Garrett Wilson. So I feel really good about Carnell Tate. He's already showing out. He looked great in the spring game. Um, and then Troy Franken out of Oregon, I think, is a guy that we need to keep on radars. Oregon, I've never really been too fond of as far as development, but this kid just looks different. He looks dominant at the catch point, explosive. Um, I think he's going to be phenomenal as well. And then Barry and Brown out of Kentucky. You talk about speed. This kid, I mean, <clears throat> he looks like he's running on the four twos. Not doesn't have great size, so that's a big concern of mine. But again, I know with a blueprint now what the NFL is looking for. The NFL is going to love him, and he had a great true freshman season at Kentucky with Will Levis. So those are, those are the kind of the guys that are at the top for me. And one more USC guy, <laughs> it's Mikai Lemon. Mikai really? um, Lemon, I'm in love with as well. I could see his skill set translating, and it would not surprise me if he actually becomes one of the best receivers to come out in this 2026 class. Yeah, I mean, you. It was, it's funny because when you were running through it, the, the two names that stuck out to me were the, were the two high-end prospects from the from USC and Ohio State that you didn't reference. Then you went and talked about Makai Lemon, and then the other's just Brandon Ennis, who I think is getting a lot of, you know. Yeah, I like Ennis. Well. I think the issue with Ennis is, so I'll say this again, the NFL has shown me what they're looking for. The first three rounds, I think it was only Jordan Addison and Trey Tucker who, you know how we use the relative athletic scoring now with, with the athleticism. It's a big thing. They're the only ones who scored lower than like eight and a half or nine. So, and, out of and all the Trey Tucker was there. a Raiders pick that you can't even count because I can't even count. They do right. exactly. <laughs> so there was one guy. He ran so one guy, team. Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff <laughs> award winner. You know what I mean? So, I know that now with Brendan Ennis, he's not he's not your speedster guy. He's not really athletic. He's just he has everything else though. He has everything else you're looking for, and he's freaking strong, man. So Ennis, I like. He's also not an early enrollee, so I don't know what to make of what he's what his possible track is on Ohio State because there's so many receivers there. I don't even know what to do with them. So Carnell Tate, I feel good about because I've already seen it. I know what's going on. It makes me okay to talk about him at the top. But I like yeah. Ennis too, as well. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, see, you're going much more in depth in your scouting players. To me, I, you know, we were talking about Iowa. For me, if I'm seeing Ohio State wide receiver, they're they're going to bubble up my board. They're right. They're not even talking about Noah Rogers, dude. Noah Rogers is awesome as well. He's in that same class. Yeah. You you want to see a George Pickens type of catch catching? Oh. It's Noah Rogers, dude. That kid plucks everything out there. One handed catches is like his special his specialty. I love that kid. Said George Pickens. Now I'm all yeah, hot and bothered. Changing yeah. my pants. Yeah. And then listen, I wanted to go back to running back too. Yeah. And the one I want to talk about was Judkins and just how he came out. I mean, three-star prospect, right? You know, right. just really came out of nowhere. And ate a five-star prospect's lunch for him as a true freshman at Old Miss. <clears throat> I mean, the kid just looks 
special in what I've seen in his freshman tape. I was super impressed with him. I actually have him above Singleton, and it's it's a it's a split in hairs thing, but they're my two three. Um, yeah, I don't but, deny that. As, as a matter of fact, so I will tell you this too. I I don't like ranking. I like tiering. It makes more sense. So I actually have Judkins, Singleton, and Henderson in the same tier. Same tier. Yeah. Robinson is like so close. Brandon Robinson is so close to being that tier one, but I gotta see it. Yeah, that kid's special. Charlie yeah. Weiss's uh, Charlie Weiss's son, I think, is the OC at Ole Miss, right? I'm not actually too sure. I, long story short, he, he, I know at some point he has something to do with the coaching team, coaching there, and um, I listen to his show when I'm driving home from. Uh, work in the mornings and he raves about Judkins from everything he hears has heard from his son. He's like, this mm-hmm. kid should be the top running back next year. So knowing, like you said, going to the thing where what are NFL teams valuing? I mean, Charlie Weiss has a pretty good idea. I think of uh, success in the NFL. So if he's already saying that guy's someone to keep an eye on, that, that's somebody that I already had on my radar just from hearing him rave about him. That's that's great because that makes me feel better too. Because when it comes to the rating system with how they're rated as far as stars, a lot of it has to do with athleticism too. He was a three star because you can see he's not, he doesn't have the greatest long speed, right? He's going to get caught from behind. But I also saw that from Brees Hall in his film, and he ended up running a lot better at the combine than I expected. So he's got. Twitch Judkins has so much time to develop on his speed, agility, and any lack of athleticism that he possibly has that I feel good about what's between the ears. That kid can process and see the field so quickly and navigate himself that even if a defender's coming, he has the size and a confidence in his play strength to just lower his shoulders, deliver a blow, and keep going. So, yeah, Judkins, to me, I, I agree, man. He's going to be special. Yeah, love, love the player. Um, we didn't go to tight end for obvious reasons, right? And there's not a lot more. There's one guy I wanted to mention. It's just because I, I believe he ended up at USC as well. Is Deuce Robinson from the 26th. Yeah, my he's issue with Deuce athlete. Robinson is I don't know if he's going to play baseball or not. And Yeah, and, and that was the thing. It's is he focused? Yeah. Is he, you know, trying right. to sport in it? But, I mean, supposedly uber athletic as well. I mean, let's say that he's going to play football. One, it's a rule of mine. I don't like taking tight ends in Debbie anyway. Like I even wrote a whole article about it two yeah. years ago. It's a stupid idea. It really is. Look at look at your David Njoku's, your OJ Howards, like even guys you thought were going to be good that don't end up doing anything. And even when you draft the tight end, it, if they don't do anything in year one, you can get them at a huge discount the year later. I, I'm, I'm working Pitts. on an article. <laughs> What's that? Look at Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Exactly. Like my next article is literally going to be Devi thrift shopping or Dynasty thrift shopping. Like. If you don't need to take a guy in your rookie drafts unless they're you feel really good that they're going to produce in year one, then don't, man, because you can get them at a huge discount later on if you see a path to them just kind of sitting on the sideline or just getting minimal production in year one. I'd much rather spend a second or third round pick on a first round pick guy just because I can see the path where I could get a cheaper value later. And tight ends are exactly that. Wait for rookie drafts. Do not take them at Debbie. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, just in, in a Debbie depleted rookie that hasn't started for us yet, Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, and Luke Musgrave are all available. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't be if you're looking at what what we value, uh, but they're there because that's the right thing to do. You, you really shouldn't be taking Debbie because we, nobody knew about Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta wasn't anything until the draft process. He looked good during the season. But don't don't sit here and lie to me that you had Sam Laporta as high as he went <laughs> in your rankings. Like, Bull crap. I didn't. I watched these guys for years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. 
Smart. Yeah, even someone who loves the tight end position knows better than trying to invest this early on in the process. I mean, you can get value in your rookie awesome. drafts, man. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. get them, what, what, second round, third round, even sometimes? Yeah. Even yeah. tight end premium, I, what, you get Michael Mayer at the turn at two, if anything? Like, that's, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm a giant hypocrite because I've drafted Laporta in a bunch <laughs> of spots, but I typically, until this year, I stopped drafting tight ends for a couple of years, even in rookie drafts, because I can either stream them effectively in season from waivers or right. when somebody I want's available, you can usually get, you know, low end, you, you know, you're not going for the Kelsey's of the world without paying a premium, but you could get some of these, you know, Dalton Schultz type other guys that are yeah. middle, middle of the pack, late tight ends for a, a reasonable fee. It's not like, you know, what people are asking you to pay for, you know, Jefferson or, or, or Jamar Chase or shit like that, where these tight ends, you could still just trade for them and get a, and feel good about what you gave up where like the other positions you can't. So I, until this year, just cause I love Laporta, I've actually faded it completely, even in rookie drafts. I don't, I don't, I look, I'm not downing anybody for taking, you know, tight ends or anything like that. What I'm saying is that I think, you got to look at the value of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like historically, they don't produce in year one. So if we know that, it's like driving a new car off the lot. Like they're immediately going to depreciate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know that no matter what happens, there's a good chance I'm going to get them for much cheaper if I just wait a year and not take them in my rookie drafts. Because look, we know we don't have patience in Dynasty. Even even with a guy like Kyle Pitts, if you if you tried to get him, you got him for a hell of a lot cheaper over the last couple months than you would have if you tried to get him in rookie drafts when he first came out. It's just the way it goes. And I, yeah. I that, so that's my new philosophy. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, I have one Kyle Pitts here, but John will attest my philosophy that year coming out and oh, yeah. was I'm I'm hammering Fryermouth. I, 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 oh, I love that. That's I'm a hammering Fryermouth in the second round. So I was getting yeah. value in the first round, and I have a shit ton of Kyle of Pat Fryermuth, who has crushed Kyle Pitts from yeah. a fantasy perspective through two yeah, years. Do not a lot of people are threatened by Darnell Washington. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Pat Fryermuth, I think that's a great call. I, I would be doing the same thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like it's going to unleash him. It's, you know, it's going to dis- detach. I feel like you have to. You know what I mean? Like, what all do you have available? Yeah. Darnell Washington is going to be a blocker. That's why he, that's only reason why he went in the fourth based on the injury uh, history or not the injury history, but the injury that he has. Cause you know, he's a bigger guy who was had a limited production, but he's an athletic freak, but he wasn't used that way. Meaning that he still needs to develop into that, but he can be an immediate blocker. Uh, that's why I also think Najee Harris is going to have a good season too. Everything the Steelers have done tells me that this is the season for Najee. So if you're a contender, use him. But I think this is the year to sell after this year, too. It's lining up. and This is a total tangent, but I heard this somewhere, and I don't know if you, you heard it or can verify that. Early on in the process, someone told Darnell Washington, get up to 300 pounds and play tackle. You I heard that, too. Tight end, yeah. And you will make tons of money. And then yeah. this guy sticks to his guns as a tight end goes in the fourth round, you know, where he's going to be playing off of a shitty rookie deal. And I think yeah. inevitably he could end up being a tackle when this is all said and done anyway, if they just continue to push him, you know, on, you know, to, to gain a little bit more weight. But yeah, I just don't ever see him being, I, I didn't, I didn't care about the catches at the combine, anything like that. I just, you know, at a certain point. Yeah, I just never, big. yeah, I agree with you. I never saw him as an actual fantasy asset. Yeah. So the thing that worries is 
not worries, but the thing I pictured with him and me and Walk talked about it, I had him pretty highly ranked throughout the process. He dropped down after going to Pittsburgh, but um, I, I could see him having a real <laughs> red zone heavy year, like 20, 20 receptions and, and 11 touchdowns. You know what I mean? Where he's just such a size mismatch, especially in, in a short, you know, in a red zone situation. I could see him getting a ton of red zone work, but that's it. And you don't see him the rest of the, you know, the other 90 yards, he's invisible. You know, John, if, if the Steelers were smart, like if you have a guy like that, it would make total sense to do that. I mean, that, like what you just said makes a ton of sense. I just don't think it's going to happen. Not can you know? It's, it's almost too. It's almost too smart, <laughs> and yeah, it, that's why it's not going to happen. We're going to outthink them, right? You know? Exactly. We're see <laughs> we know that they know that we know that they know. Right, right. <laughs> like oh, I'm going to fool them because yeah. uh, blue yeah. in the middle line. Yeah, we'll throw right. the Jalen Warren. <laughs> 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 All right. So we had kind of mentioned we were talking about quarterbacks. You talked a lot about the 2026 class. And I said, so what you're saying is if I'm quarterback needy, start trading for my 2026 picks. So just kind of with that in mind, looking at the next like three classes or so, which classes do you like uh, for which position? So if somebody out there is listening and they're like, I really need help at wide receiver and I don't like who's in this class and I want to trade out. Which year should they be targeting for which groups do you like for running back, wide receiver, and uh, tight ends? And I'm assuming quarterbacks, the 2026 class. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, it's a long projection, but to me, they just seem like the cream of the crop based sure. on what I've seen and where they are. I can see a path. Um, so 2026 for sure. Uh, I like the 2025 class for running back. I think there's definitely some depth there. I mean, we're talking about Nick, Nick Singleton, Branson Robinson, Quishon Judkins, Katron Allen, uh, Trevor Etienne, who I talked about, uh, Javante Barnes coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's a bit underrated, had a nice first season with, at Oklahoma, and he looks like he could be the guy. Um, another running back out of Alabama who I think is pretty solid, but I don't think uh, – I'm not – I can't see the translate – to the NFL yet because I haven't seen it on the field, but Jamarian Miller, uh, Jim Miller, I think that he could have an opportunity this year possibly and showcase himself. Jaden Ott out of Cal uh, had a great first year, has the size that we're looking for. There, there's just a lot of depth there. Marion Hampton out of North Carolina um, and Gavin Sawchuk at uh, Oklahoma. I, I just, I just feel like the depth is there. If you're looking for running back, they, I, I could see, that class being pretty solid and deep. Um, again, yeah, 2026 with the QBs. And then, honestly, it's pretty balanced with all the classes at receiver. Um, but again, dude, I am, I'm kind of getting infatuated with this 2026 class, even at receiver. Uh, Zachariah Branch is special. Mikhail Lemon, who I talked about. Carnell Tate. I mean, they ran out my top three. Jerry on uh, Dickey, 6'3", 210 pounds, going to Oregon. <clears throat> Uh, dude, he's he's like solid all around, and he's that he's that strong catch radius type guy, almost like a Des Bryant type. Um, I really like uh, Jerry on Dickey. Jonte Cook is that Xavier Worthy type. He's going to Texas. He's got elite speed. He's your field stretcher. Uh, he could easily fill in and possibly even be any be- be better because he can catch the ball over Xavier Worthy. Um, you talked about Brendan Ennis, one of my favorite guys. Jaden Greathouse going to Notre Dame. Uh, he's got the size 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds, 
and easily one of the most intelligent route runners at an early stage in his career. Proven leader. Um, I, I just, yeah, man, I think the 2026 class is going to be really nice. Jalen Hale going to Alabama. He's special. Shelton Sampson going to LSU. I talked about Noah Rogers a little bit at uh, going to um, Ohio State with the other two guys. Nicholas Harbor. This is a guy who came in as an athlete, a five-star and he's like 6'3", 6'4", 220-some-odd pounds and runs DK Metcalf speed. I mean, he's the athletics, athletic freak with DK Metcalf type of upside. So I just think like there's just way too much not to like with this 2026 class. And that's And I'm usually not that guy. I don't rank guys really high because I haven't seen what they can do. But again, I watch talent, I identify talent, and Brandon and I just recently had a podcast about the 2026 class of receivers. If you want to go check that out, Debbie to Dynasty Pod, but we go a lot more in depth. There's a lot to be excited about. 2026 it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's far out, guys. It's far out, but uh, Can't you know, yeah, and then Aiden Williams is another guy going to Ole Miss. I really like. He's 6'3", 210, 215 pounds. Uh, that number one jersey is usually held for someone special uh, for that for that group at Ole Miss. They talked about. I was I was listening to a Ole Miss podcast, and they were talking about how it was you know AJ Brown, and then you know Jonathan Mingo, who just got drafted really early, you know a lot earlier than I expected him to. They're saying Aiden Williams could be that next guy up. And I see it on this film, too. I think he's going to be special. So, yeah, man, just a lot, a lot of talent. I didn't even talk about Hakeem Williams going to FSU. He's 6'3", 200 and some odd pounds with speed. I'm not as high as him on him, but that just adds to how deep it goes. He's a five-star, and I'm not even that thrilled about his uh, about his film. I like yeah, hearing that's these. About, that's about the 10th guy that you referenced, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, I could keep going. Ryan Nibbler out of Texas, like – what do you want me? Eugene Wilson out of Florida, track <laughs> speed. Like, dude, don't even get me. Yeah. But I, I like hearing about the guys with size. Cause like we said, with this 2023 class, that was, that was going through the rankings and we, you know, we're looking at their walk types out. Right, they're all smaller guys. Weight. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. This class uh, has size and speed. Nathan Leelock going to Tennessee, six, three, 205 pounds. He's got four, four speed. Like I, there, there's a lot to like about this class and usually like i said i usually don't do this but man it's it's just it's exactly what i've been waiting for with this particular type of group so it's, it's easy for me to get excited about them listen we mentioned old miss and i think this is probably a good way to get out of here since we're, we're buttoning things up what are your thoughts yeah. on Jonathan mingo did Jonathan mingo get drafted because he had size in a draft class that had none of it yeah that's exactly the- why he got drafted <laughs> I, I I did not see like I I can understand some parts of his game. The problem is that he played he played a lot on the outside his first couple of years with quarterbacks that couldn't throw the ball there, right? So I tried not to judge it on that. Where it got better for him was last year they started putting him in the slot and outside. To me, he is that guy that needs to be in the slot. He should not be an outside receiver. He failed dramatically as an outside receiver. So he's got size and speed, but he can't be on the outside. So he's going to be a big slot, right? That, okay, I'm cool with that. But at the same time, I didn't see a lot of development from him at all. I really think it was the athleticism and size and just the potential upside of what he could deliver in a class that did not provide this. Cedric Tillman to me was a much better prospect than Jonathan Mingo. I, I I think Jonathan Mingo got well overdrafted. 
Okay. John has a ton of Jonathan Mingo. So uh, as much. I don't think I did. No, he got, I had him going in. I was excited going in and then he got the draft capital and everyone started taking him way too early than I was getting him. And I think I was getting the landing spot is intriguing. I can't deny that. I mean, landing spot can change everything. You know what I mean? But to me, I don't see, unless he truly starts developing and I never saw it in college. And a lot of times it doesn't translate. If it, if you don't see some of the development in college, it won't happen in the NFL when everything's even four times harder, but I can see a season like his first season. It wouldn't shock me if he has like 500 yards, five or six touchdowns to get everybody excited and then we find out it's just not sustainable, and he's that guy who just produces quickly because of opportunity, but gets replaced by the next free agent class or draft class because he's just not as good as the next guy's coming in and gets replaced. I can see that, which is why if you have Mingo, you have some trade value there. I was like, you heard it here. Trade Mingo after the 2023. <laughs> Man, I'm going to steer so many people wrong with all my trades, but... It, it, you got to look at value. That's the way I look at it, man. If I can get somebody I know is better by trading a guy at his highest point, I'm going to do it. You know, don't be trading your Garrett Wilsons and stuff, though. I never understand that. Like, where are you going to replace that kind of value? That, that, like, trading guys who are good in a situation to produce you fantasy points for a long time because they are that good and they're in a good situation. How are you going to replace that by just getting a couple first round picks, which you probably miss on two or three of them anyway? Like I just oh, never understood that. You're you're talking Tyreek Hill to me. I got in on Tyreek Hill early, and then I had so much of them that I drafted so late. I was like, I should cash in on some of these and get a bunch of firsts, and yeah, turn that into fucking nothing. <laughs> how long? How long ago was that though? A bunch of nothing. What the trades or? Yeah, the trades that you made. Uh, I mean, within the last oh, shit. Well, you're still with Kansas City. I mean, a lot of them. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just never expected him to be as good once he left Pat Mahomes. Uh, but, yeah, he's that good. So that that's what I'm saying. Like, if you have guys that are, just are that talented and are going to get you fantasy points, like, you better have a good plan to replace them to get those fantasy points back and more. You know what I mean? Or else it's just don't make lateral moves. Like, I never understood that. Yeah, They're just going to put you in a worse position. Could not agree more. All right. Well, Jason, that was great. I know when we have IDP guys on, me and Walk talk about how crazy and, uh, you know, all the, all the IDP folks are real psychopaths. But the, the Debbie guys are like evil geniuses. It's like the same type of <laughs> psychosis that goes into it. But you guys use it for good. <laughs> <laughs> we try to, man. We try to. <laughs> yeah. Before we get out of here, thanks for coming on. Let people know yeah. where they can find you again. Yeah, man. So you can find me at All Purpose Scout on Twitter. Uh, again, I'm at DeviWatch.com, and I'm doing uh, podcasts with Brandon Lejeune at Devi to Dynasty. You can find on YouTube and uh, all those other platforms that your podcasts are on. And we have a YouTube channel. I, I highly suggest because a lot of the guys that I talk about tonight, Brandon and I have done all 22 film breakdowns of. So if you're like, who's this Jade Knott guy or who, who's this Zachariah Branch guy and all this stuff, you, you'll be able to find majority of their film in a platform where you'll be able to kind of agree with us or not agree with us based on your own viewpoints uh, by watching the film. And you can find that on his YouTube channel at Debbie dynasty. All right. I'm usually a heavy podcast guy, but I, I need some, some video backup. So I'm going to start. <laughs> it, it helps. I go the opposite. I watch more of the binging stuff. Yeah. See, I listen to podcasts in the background when I'm doing 700 other things. So I just feel like I tried to <laughs> that, you know what? That's <laughs> multitasking. You can't go wrong with that. You know yeah. what I mean? 
But uh, dude, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me on. It's been way too long. Hopefully, we can do this again soon and not have it be like what half a decade. <laughs> yes. Once before well, listen, we, things we, happen, we, you know. Life yeah, changes. Past, just kind of wither away, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we all land in our happy little places. But yeah, I mean, at at least we should have something you know annually with you. Let's keep the Debbie conversation going. We don't know near as much as you do. You're gonna make this conversation a lot better on our end. So. Oh, you guys do a great job, and be, I appreciate it. Be sure you. to tell all the Debbie Watch boys we said hello. I will do that. They better be freaking listening, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? They see our names. They better be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to watch that. I listen know to that. these guys. <laughs> but, so thank you for coming on, sir. Uh, again, thanks to Jason for coming on. For myself, John Debari, my co-host, Matt Walker, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Yeah, and it's it's funny too because I'm still used to like huddle having like VHS quality film. So now that we have like good quality, it's like this is so nice. Like that's what I remember. Like trying to make out the like the player even in the yeah. VHS. It's like holy crap. <laughs> so yeah, yeah things have definitely back. developed. I'll take it. Takes you back. That does. That's great. Blockbuster. I have every time I've moved, I got a box with like. DVDs in there, but I've I've kept a couple of VHSs. I just can't. It's like ah, I got to keep this forever. <laughs> right? I have some too, man. I totally show it. people. I don't have cassettes though. I wish I had cassettes. No, my kids would you know, what? I don't have right. any cassettes either. I have cassettes and probably because the car before the one I currently have had a cassette player in it still. So I was like, I got to keep <laughs> something for that car. So it right. just was smashed in there. So when I sold it, I just pulled them out. So it's about Smart. a dozen cassettes. Can't exactly. play them on anything anymore, but I have the cassettes. What sucks is I have a two, I have a fifteen-year-old stepdaughter, so I like show her some of this stuff, and she has no idea what it is. I'm like, Jesus, man, right? This, this is crazy. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, listen, everything's on a phone that fits in your pocket, right? Yeah, everything you need. <laughs> your music, all your shows, podcast, you know, internet, everything. Gotta love it though. Yeah. I hate it. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a miserable old man. Walk always laughs. I do my rankings and shit on paper. I have to hold. Oh up. my god! I mean, I, I I will eventually. I convert it over for him. Everything for transfers over spreadsheet, yeah. but yeah. But he still writes it all down. Like even you if know, that makes sense though, because a lot of times when I'm if I'm like on the fly and I got a pen and paper, like I get it. I'll write some stuff down. <laughs> oh, oh, listen, but, there's uh, paper in front of me, but I'm not going to go like. Full list of whatever we're going to talk about. Right. Rewrite it onto a <laughs> Pull up notes on your phone. Type it in. There you go. Speak to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speak to. Thank God for that. Yeah. Dictate. Fuck. I'm looking. I'm. Hold on a second. Let me try to find something under my desk. You can only imagine what's under there. <laughs> right. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> Fuck. He's going to come back on camera. He's going to have nothing to do with paper or football. Huh? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. No, I had a thing, and I, I still have it. I just don't know where it is. Um, 